If you have your Bibles tonight, I need you to turn to the book of Philippians. And we're closing this letter out uh, as we've been going through our journey in the book of Philippians. And Paul uh, has now come to where uh, he's uh, bidding them uh, farewell. Uh, we understand that uh, he has uh, been writing this letter uh, to the church at Philippi because that church had been uh, very instrumental in his ministry. Uh, I found uh, I, I find it uh, uh, interesting that uh, as we come to the end, uh, and last week we looked at that Paul reminded us of how we can have contentment. And uh, so he's been talking about cont contentment and having uh, where you, you understand that God's fully in control of your situation. You're good with that. And no matter what comes your way, uh, you can rest in the fact uh, that uh, uh, the Lord Jesus is going to take care of you. Okay, isn't that a good place to be? Just to know no matter what's coming your way or what you're in the middle of, God's just going to handle it all and he's going to see to it uh, that uh, you're going to uh, be able to come through these trials and tribulations. So he's talking about that. I find it interesting now as he talks about co uh, contentment, he now moves into giving. It, I, I mean, I, I know it's just a coincidence that it had, that fell out. Now, it's by design. I truly believe that, that because... We need to understand that when we are content, and contentment means this, you're satisfied with God's provisions. You're satisfied with God's provisions. And so when you're satisfied with God's provisions, and then you come to a place in your life like Paul has in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where he talks about that his grace is sufficient. We see in 2 Corinthians 3, 5 where he understood that we, it's not our sufficiency, but it's Christ's sufficiency in us. And when you come to that understanding that you're satisfied with God's provision, that's going to help you to be the giver that God wants you to be. Now, we also understand that uh, Paul is referring to a material here. Uh, he's talking about a monetary offering. But the same principles are the same uh, when you're giving of yourself. Amen. See, when we talk about giving, we are not always are talking about financially. When we're talking about giving, we're not always talking about material possessions. Amen. When we are talking about giving, it's also the principles involved apply to our service. See, I've found this, that you are going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ when you have come to a place in your life that you're content, that God's got it taken care of, and you're being obedient to what God's called you to be. I came across this, and we're going to be in verse number four, chapter number four, and we'll be looking in verse 14 through 20. But this is setting the stage for the rest of this letter. I started looking and thinking about offering. And of course, Paul talks about a sacrificial giving. And I came across this definition. I think it's a good one. It says, uh, here's how we are to be giving. 
you give out of the things that you love to someone that you love more. Some of you didn't get that. When you give, you should be giving out of the things that you love to someone you love more. That's a sacrificial giving. See, there's some things that we love. We, we love, and, and, and nothing in itself is wrong. We, uh, uh, you know, I, I love it when I get paid every week. Okay? And, and, and I'll just be honest because it provides for my family and, and all that. But when you start to realize that everything that you have comes from Him, then you recognize the fact that I'm able to give of the things that I love. I love my time. I'll just be honest with you. When I got back home from camp uh, I, uh, on Saturday, I did nothing. And I was good with that. I laid on the recliner, and I loved that. I loved I didn't have to go and check on boys, uh, you know, sneaking out of the cabins and all that kind of stuff like that. And, I, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't have any demands upon me. Uh, and I love that. But when it comes to giving in our service to the Lord, sometimes we have to realize that I have to give of my time and my energy, but I'm giving it because I'm giving it to someone who I love more. See, understand this. When you're giving, you're giving unto the Lord. And so when we have this understanding, and Paul helps us to be reminded of that, and one of the beautiful examples of this is Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, we all know the story. Abraham was ready to offer up his boy. He was ready to do that. Now, does that mean that Abraham didn't love Isaac? Of course not. He loved Isaac, but he loved God more. And see, that's the reason why it was much easier for him to be able to be willing to give his son who loved, he loved very dearly because he had a deeper love to the one he was going to give it to. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has done to every one of us? God the Father gave His only begotten Son, the Son that He loved so dearly, but He gave Him because He loved us more. And because of that, I now in turn am able to give back. And so with that setting, we look in verse number 14. There's three things that we're going to see tonight. Starting in verse number 14, listen to what the Bible says notwithstanding. Now, remember, he just came off of talking about I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? And he says, and notwithstanding, he says, okay, with that understanding, he says that ye have well done. He's talking to the church at Philippi, and he's recognizing the fact that the church has been obedient. And he's telling them, thank you very much. You've done well. But then he goes on and he says, you've you done uh, well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. In other words, he said, you met my needs when I was really needing you. Then in verse number 15 he goes, he says, and now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, now he's going back uh, some 10 years when he uh, first uh, has uh, met the church here. So he goes back to that and he, he reminds them that they gave not only one time, but they gave numerous times 
to him. And so he's thanking them for that. He says that in the beginning of the gospel, when uh, I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. He says, of all the churches, you're the only one that gave. I hope that when the Lord Jesus looks at us, he'll say that you gave. Nobody else gave, but you gave. I want to be known as a member of a church that gives. Not only gives financially, and the Lord has blessed us. I mean, we've gone through the summer. Summer's always a kind of a up and down, up and down and up town. But I want you to know uh, that your faithfulness has got us through a summer when we usually go down. Uh, we've been pretty good as far as meeting budget and all that. And that's because you've been faithful to give. But also we understand that there are many of you, and I I know of stories, many of you have helped others within this body. Nobody else knows about it. But you've helped a brother and sister who was at time had a need in their life, and you met that need. You're a very giving people. But I want us to be known, not only for that, but I want us to be known that we gave of ourselves. We gave of ourselves to one another, but ultimately we gave unto the Lord. And so then he goes on in verse number 16. He says, for even in Thessalonica. Now, very interesting here. This church that he's making reference to here was a very wealthy church. He says, even when I was there at Thessalonica, he said, you sent once and again into my necessity. See, the church understood that there was a need. They could have easily said, well, Paul's right there. That's not, that church has plenty of money. Why do we need to give? Because they understood what giving really is all about. It's not looking and saying, well, I'll give, but I don't know if we need to give. We're giving because the Lord had laid it upon their heart and they were obedient. And, and we need to understand when we're obedient... God always rewards obedience. And so he goes uh, and he says, you gave not only one time, but you gave uh, uh, again unto my necessity. And then he goes and says, not because I desire the gift. See, Paul says, now, I'm not thanking you because uh, I really desired that gift. Paul understood that God was going to meet his needs. See, he was content. He, he, he was not fretting. Oh, boy, I hope they come through for me. I hope they come through for me. Paul knew God was going to come for him. God was going to come through for him. And so he says, I, I, I he says I'm, I'm happy because, not because I desire the gift, but I desire the fruit that may abound in you. See, here's what giving does. Giving will bless the one who gives. Okay? He says, here's where my joy is. My joy is because, by the way, you'll know if you're maturing in the faith by the way you give. That, that's a sign of your maturity. That's a sign of my maturity on how we give. 
And so he was happy. He was rejoicing. Man, they're maturing in the faith. They're, they're giving for the right reasons. And that's where his joy was. Then he goes on. He says, but I have all. Paul says, I'm good. I got what I need. God has been good to me. By the way, I believe we could all echo those words of Paul. God's been good to me. But then he says, uh, but I have all and I abound. I'm full. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. And listen what he says. This gift that you've given to me, here's what it's done. It has been an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Paul is saying, you gave it to me, but ultimately you gave it to him. Because now you have helped me in my ministry. You have invested in me. I want you to know uh, we, uh, we have some sixth graders that are, are going to be moving up. And uh, we talked about, uh, about leadership and whatnot. And, and what thrilled me is that I saw some of our, uh, our guys, our, our men, investing in these young men's lives. See, they were giving. They were investing. They were taking time. But they ultimately know that as they're investing in these young men's lives and we're investing in these children and we're investing in one another, we're investing in the ministry. Because who knows, out of that bunch, God could be calling a preacher out of that bunch of boys. God could be calling some missionaries out of that group of children. And see, by you giving, you have a part in that. I don't know about you, but that's thrilling to me to know that I'm investing in people that are going to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, I'm getting a little bit older and and I'm coming to realize that I want to do everything I can to invest in young people's lives. I want to invest in them because, see, one day I'm not going to be here. And we need to invest in them and encourage them and give towards them because they're the ones that are going to have to pick up the torches and carry on. And and so then he says, and well, please, it says, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And so these next few moments... By God's grace, we're going to look very quickly at what does it mean uh, to be a giver. I've entitled this message, Well Done, Done Well. Because Paul tells the church, you have done well because of your giving. I'd like to know that the Lord Jesus Christ, when we have to meet Him, would be able to say to us individually, And corporately, Hillcrest Baptist Church, you've done well in your well-doing because you were a church that gave and you gave it unto me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for the encouragement in your word. I pray tonight that we'll have understanding where we need understanding. 
And Lord, we'll make applications to our lives so that we can go out far, far better than when we first came in. Lord, I ask that you'd help me tonight, that you would empower me from on high. Lord, these people have showed up on a Wednesday night not to hear about Mike's opinion or what Mike has to say about this or that, but they've come to hear from you. So I pray that you'll use me as your instrument and we'll hear from you tonight. Maybe someone just needs to be encouraged about giving. Maybe someone has been disobedient about their giving and that you'll just go ahead and prick their hearts and they'll go ahead and get that taken care of so that they can go and be what you've called them to be. Lord, I pray for us corporately here that we'll be a church that is a giving church, not only in money, not only in possessions, but in service. Service to one another, service to this community, but most important of all, service unto you. And we pray all of this in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The first things that we see in verses 14 through 16 is that we see that Paul says that in a giving there must be participation. There must be participation. Notice here, uh, he's talking to the church uh, and he's, uh, he has a, a, an affection for this church and this church has been very good to him. They have a fellowship, if you will. They have been sharing that word share is the word that we get fellowship out of. And so as their church is being obedient and they're sharing with him, uh, he understands uh, that because of that, uh, he uh, tells them back in Philippians chapter 1, verse number 7, he says uh, about their generosity, he says that it's in, in their heart. It's in their heart. He says, you are in my heart. And the church understood that Paul was in their heart. See, what we need to understand is that we're going to be the givers that God's called us to be. It's got to be in our heart. We don't do it out of sense of duty. We don't do it out of the sense of guilt. We don't do it out of anything except the fact that it's in my heart. And so, but then he goes on and he says uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 26, talking about the fellowship here now. He's talking about uh, uh, the body of Christ here. He says, if one suffers, then we all suffer. But if something good happens to someone within the fellowship, then we all rejoice. See, we understand that this thing is not about us. It's about Him. And it's not about that we're all lone rangers and we're out there kind of doing our own thing. We're doing it together. We're sharing with one another. And the reason why we're able to share with one another is because we have each other in our hearts. The Bible is quite clear that uh, our motivation should be coming from our heart. But as he goes on and he talks, we see that not only does he help us to understand that there was a fellowship, but he gives a beautiful illustration about giving. Three things that we need to learn about giving. First of all, you must identify there's a need. Now, if it's a monetary or if it's a, uh, or if it's a, uh, a helping someone uh, physically or materially, whatever the case may be, when you're giving, you have to identify there is a need. But the second thing that you have to do is that you have to have an interest in that need. And the third thing about giving is that you must be involved in that giving. The wonderful illustration is about the Good Samaritan. You all know the story. And the Good Samaritan, uh, it's a story about uh, there was a man who was beaten and robbed and he was left for dead. 
And the first one that comes along his way is the priest. And the priest sees him, he identified there's a need. Then he moves on. The second one that comes uh, along the pathway there is the Levite. Now the Levite net recognized, identified there's a need, but he took interest because he went over there and, and looked upon him. But then he moved on. This good Samaritan comes down the path. He not only identifies there's a need, he not only showed interest in that need, but he got involved in meeting that need. He went and he picked that person up and he moved him on into town, helped him to get the help that he was needing. Now, I want you to understand where I'm coming from. I want you to hear my heart. We get calls uh, numerous times and we want you to help us, but uh, we do a pretty good job about identifying needs. Uh, preacher, just to let you know that uh, my neighbor across the street, he, he, he has a need. Can you do something for him? Well, that's well and good, but you've missed the principle involved here. There's two more steps that you should have took. You should have went and showed an interest in that need, and you should have got involved in that need. Now, understand, I'm not, I'm not fussing, but sometimes we leave it up to the church. We're good about identifying, and we're, we do a pretty good job of showing interest, but we expect somebody else to get involved. You've missed the whole meaning of the principles here. See, if I identify a need, I don't need to be like that priest and just move on and, and go to somebody else and say, hey, I just want you to know there's a man over there that has a need. Can you go ahead and see about it? I should have took some interest in that, and not only should I have took some interest, but I needed to get involved. Because, see, I really believe that God puts people in our paths. He gives us opportunities. And many times we miss the opportunity because we're too busy. We're too busy. I don't want to get involved. I, I, I don't want to go that extra step. May I remind you that the Lord Jesus gave of Himself. He took that extra step for you and for me. And the least that we can do is when we see a need that we'll go ahead and take the extra step and we get involved in. But here's the problem that we have. We're too stinking busy. Aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus wasn't too busy to die for you? Do, do you get the picture here of what Paul is trying to paint to us? And so we, we see that there is a need. But not only do we see the need, we got involved in the need. But notice the Bible teaches in Luke chapter 6, verse number 28 or 38. It's a story about, and it talks about, uh, the, you, you, you give. And the way you give is what you're going to get back. It talks about uh, grain here, and it's talking about uh, they wear long robes, and uh, they would gather the grain, and they would dump it in their lap. The King James calls it their bosom, but he would leave it, and they would take that robe, and they would uh, go and take that harvest of that grain in. And so here's what we need to understand. When you give, the way you give is the way you're going to receive. Now, understand, don't miss the boat. The principle involved is the reason why you're giving is not so you can get something out of the deal. Okay? You're giving, why? Because that person's in your heart. 
You have a concern. You have a compassion to that person. Now, how do you have a concern and compassion? You just need to realize that there was one called the Lord Jesus who had compassion upon you. and He got involved in your life and he gave unto you. And so because of that, we're able to give unto others. Okay? So then he goes on and he says, there's celebration. I've already alluded to the celebration in the chapter of verses 17 through 18. Uh, Paul's joy was not in that he received a gift. Even though he was very thankful for the gift, his joy was in the fact that they had finally gotten it. They were maturing in their faith. Titus chapter 3 verse number uh, 17 says it this way, or 14, it says it this way. He says that you learn to meet needs. And when you learn to meet needs, the reason for that is so you will not become unfruitful. See, when you're giving, you are fruitful. But then we understand, and I came across this. Martin Luther said it this way. He says that everything that I've put in my hand, I've lost. But everything I put in God's hand, I still have. See, that's the reason why when we're giving, we understand the principle involved and the, a person, and the motivation that we're giving. The, it is that I don't own anything anyway. Now, when you talk about that, uh, you, you do understand. I always find it a little humorous when someone says uh, they drive up in a new automobile and I said, man, that's a nice car. And he says, yeah. And I said, uh, so you, you, you bought it brand new? Yeah. And uh, then they tell me, but, and it's going to be mine in six years. <laughs> you don't own that automobile. The bank owns it. You're paying a mortgage on your house. And you'll say, well, I just bought me a house. No, you didn't buy your house. Because you still owe on it. I've come to find out there's uh, many things in life that we think we own that we really don't. By the way, you do realize, and I need to realize, that whatever we have, the Lord giveth, but also the Lord can take it away. You can lose it tomorrow. And so don't get so caught up on what you're holding down here. The Bible says where your treasure is, that's where you'll find your heart. But I like to reverse it where your heart, that's where your treasure is. And so as we're giving, uh, he's recognizing, he's joyful in the situation. He says, uh, I'm joyful because you're finally getting this. But as we go on and we see, well, let's just go ahead and look how he says it. I'm back in verse number 17. You there? And this is what he says. He, uh, he, he says, uh, talking about this one, I could look at verse 17. He says, Now, because I desire to give, not because I deserve it, because I desire uh, the fruit that may abound in you. But then he goes on and, and then he uh, says, It will be to your account. These are all accounting terms. Okay? Giving, receiving. He says, I will apply it to your account. See, every time you give, the Lord puts it towards your account. Okay, that's pretty good. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I sometimes have problems that uh, I'm, I'm giving out more than I'm bringing in. 
And uh, maybe you have that issue from time to time as well. But here, when you're dealing in the accounting business of God, that's not how that works. Because in the accounting of God, the more you give out, the more you bring in. Isn't that good? That's what he's talking about here. He says, now, he says, I have everything. Paul has reached uh, uh, contentment. He says, I have everything and I abound. He says, I'm full and I have received of Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, uh, he's the one that brought the gift uh, to Paul. And the gift that he brought was, of course, from the church of Philippi. And he says, the things which were sent from you are an odor of a sweet smell. Now, that is giving us indication of incense. Remember, in the Old Testament, they would burn incense uh, in the tabernacle and at the temples as well. That is representative of the prayers of the people. And the Bible says that we are to be a sweet smell unto the Lord Jesus. That's what he's talking about. He says, when you're giving, you're giving off a sweet smell unto the Lord. But then he goes on and he says, a sacrifice... He says, this is a sacrifice. Here again, Old Testament uh, language here. They would bring the sacrifices. And of course, when they bring the sacrifices, uh, the sacrifices would atone for their sins. And the sacrifices were to please the Lord. And uh, the sacrifices couldn't be just any kind of sacrifice. He had to be the proper sacrifice and, and all that. So he's giving this uh, Old Testament illustration, if you will. But we understand that we no longer have to bring a sacrifice because Jesus Christ was our sacrifice. And what Jesus Christ did for us was sufficient to where he doesn't have to do it again. But we are to be a sweet smell unto the Lord, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Now, before you moved to verse number 19, because verse number 19, we all know that and we all jump to that. And we like to quote this one, but my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. Now, we like to go to that one real quick. But do you, do, you do understand that in order for v- verse 19 to be operatal, uh, to, to operate, if I can talk, is that you have to first come to verse 18. What's verse 18? We just read it. Verse number 18 says that you are to be bringing a sacrifice that's acceptable In other words, what's your motivation for what you're doing? Why are you giving? So that you know that you're going to get something, you're going to get the God, God's going to take care of me. And and so I'm giving because I'm looking with the wrong motivation. That's unacceptable. Because you see, this sacrifice and our giving, yes, it's to one another, but ultimately it's unto the Lord. And he will not accept just any old sacrifice. He will not reward an unacceptable sacrifice. We understand that with Cain and Abel. Now, we know that the reason why that one of them's sacrifice was received, the other one wasn't, is because one didn't bring a blood sacrifice. Right? So we also see that principle still lies true. When you're giving like you're supposed to, you're giving 
with no alternative motives. You're giving because you love the Lord Jesus. And because you love the Lord Jesus, you want to give something that's going to bring glory and honor into Him. Okay, you get you get in the picture here. So we also understand that Hudson Taylor, Hudson Taylor was that great missionary. He made this quote, this great quote. Uh, he says, "If you're doing God's work, God's way, for God's glory, then you will not lack the supply of God." Pretty good quote, huh? When you're doing God's work and giving is part of God's work. When you're giving God's work and you're doing it God's way, God's way, not the way you see, not the way you interpret, but God's way. How is God's way? God's way is you're giving it from your heart and you're giving it with no strings attached and you're giving it because you're going to get some goodies out of this thing. You're giving it just because you love the Lord Jesus Christ because He first loved you and because of that you're able to love those around about you and you recognize a need and you just didn't recognize the need but you had interest in the need. You got involved in the need and you're saying, I'm going to do this and I want all the glory to go to the Lord Jesus Christ. When you do it in the right motivation, He'll accept that. Amen. That's the right way to do it. And so we also see that as we're going through the rest of this, we see that not only Paul was blessed, he's at the receiving end. But also when you give, you get blessed. Right? Right? You get blessed, but also the Lord gets blessed. Okay? Now, you all know, and, I, and I've uh, made, uh, told this illustration, but I remember uh, back some uh, time, my first missionary trip, I went to Korea. And I uh, went to the Korea, and uh, I went, uh, uh, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going, I'm thinking... Man, these people are going to be so blessed by me showing up. I'm really thinking that, okay? I'm just being honest with you. And I'm excited about that, you know, and, and I'm thinking, man, I got this. And I've been studying, and, you know, and I'm, I'm fairly new in the faith. But, I, you know, I think I got it all together. And I say, boy, these people, they, they're, man, that's going to be good. I, you know, and so I went over there. We worked with a little church. This little church, uh, they, uh, uh, one of the things that uh, just astounded me is that they had 4.30 in the morning prayer meetings. And, and, and so I'm, I'm going over there and I'm thinking, boy, I'm going to give them the gospel. And boy, everybody, you know, and all kinds. Billy Graham ain't seen nothing yet, you know. And I'm going and I'm thinking. And so I get over there and I meet this uh, pastor. And uh, it's a little church, a little congregation, maybe a hundred people at the most. And uh, they were loving the Lord. And they had uh, uh, this picture, this huge picture of this large church. And, I, and I'm going and I'm asking, he says, that's the church that we're going to build in five years. That's, where, that's what God has laid on my heart and that's what we're looking for. I said, okay. He, and I said, uh, 
he says, now we have prayer meeting. I said, okay, what's your prayer? He said, 4.30 in the morning. Well, the first few mornings I didn't make the prayer meeting. <laughs> and just to be honest with you, I had no intention to make that prayer meeting. It's 4.30 in the morning. But then I got the curiosity, got the best of me. And so I get up early and I go just to see how many show up. I was expecting three or four people there. And uh, I go and the church was packed out at 4.30 in the morning. 4.30 in the morning. And over there they pray out loud. It sounded like a bunch of bees. It sounded like bees like that. They prayed for an hour. That's all they did. Sometimes we call prayer meeting, it's really the farthest from prayer meeting. It's usually a lot of times where it's, we just gossip and talk about hangnails and gallbladders and all that kind of stuff and never get down to business. That's not prayer meeting. This was prayer meeting. They were on their face before God. And then I started going and meeting some of the people and they would go door to door with us and you could see the joy of the Lord. And there I was. And here's where I'm leading to. I was going over thinking, I'm going to bless these people because of who I am and all that. You know who got blessed? I got blessed. Matter of fact, not only did I get blessed, but I got under conviction. And I started thinking, you know, maybe this is why our churches are not making the impact that we're making. This could be that why we're not winning people like we ought to be winning people is because we are not giving the way we ought to be giving. And I asked him, why did you pick 4.30 in the morning? He says, because that's the best time because it's before they have to go in the work. It is not uncommon for them to work 14, 16 hour days. But yet they still knew they needed to give unto the Lord because He had done so much for them. I've been to other places where dirt floors and where we do Bible study and pigs and chickens run through the house. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, man, these, I'm over here to help these people. And every time I come back and I'm thinking, I'm the one that got blessed. We've lost sight of the how to harness the power of God is because we've gotten too busy and we quit giving. We quit giving of our time. We quit giving of our energy. We quit giving because it was inconvenient. Here Paul reminds the church at Philippi the principles involved and I dare say we need to be reminded tonight. Amen. We need to be reminded that what we have is not ours. Our time is not ours. God's in control. It could be that you may think that you got some years ahead. It could be that the Lord says, no, no, I'm fixing to call you home. See, he's in charge of time. He's in charge of your income. See, you're able to work and provide an income because He's given you breath and given you health to do it. We lose sight of that sometimes. We lose sight of the fact that 
we have gotten to the point to where we're so sophisticated and, and we've gotten so educated that we forgot what the Lord, how the Lord wants to show himself and manifest himself is when the people of God recognize that we are to be givers and not takers. Now you can say all you want to about our children and our young people. I understand they're takers. I understand that. And, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll give them a pass. But you know what? We as an adults sometimes are guilty as well. Amen. We're taking. I, 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 hey, oh, here, here's a place where we need to serve. And, and, and I'm just going to be honest with you. There's some places that we need people to serve in. But we've gotten comfortable in our Sunday school class. I like my Sunday school class. I'm comfortable where I sit. I just show up and I get, uh, I get, uh, I get what I need and, and I get to go home. You've, you've missed the boat. The reason why we're taking in is so we can be given out. My granddad had a pawn. And that pond, of course, uh, did not have an outlet. It got nasty and stagnant. It was just nasty. Why is that? Well, water was getting in, but it wasn't going out. See, the Bible says that we, when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is the living water, the Bible says that we are to be flowing like a river. Why does a river flow? Because water comes in, but yet water goes out. And here's what's happened to many of us in the church is that we've become the stagnant pond. We've gotten, we've gotten, we've gotten, we've gotten, but we haven't been giving. And that's displeasing to God. Now let's just go out and call it what it is. It's disobedience. He has called us to be rivers of life, Amen. to give. We've been so blessed here. Yep. We have gotten the best preaching yep. that you can find anywhere. Yep. And we rejoice in that. Thank God for that. Yep. But church, it's also caused us to be quite complacent. Amen. And we become stagnant ponds. Yep. Paul says, he's rejoicing because not only did he receive, and he's thankful for that, but he's rejoicing because he understands that that church that he solely, dearly loves is maturing in their faith. Wonder what the Lord Jesus, if he could be here, would say about us. Would he say the same thing that Paul said about the church at Philippi? You matured in your faith. You're giving like you're supposed to. Or would he be saying, you've done some good things and he goes and rattles some things off like he, the churches, the seven churches there, but he says, this one thing I have against you. You quit giving out. Doing a good job of taking in but you haven't been given out. Church, is it not time for us to be that river of life 
that needs to flow. Yes, finances are important. I understand that. Yes, it's good to give of material things. People need that. But most important of all, they need to be given the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they need to be given life in a dark world. They need to be given water in a desert land. Yes, it's important to meet physical needs, and we should. It's important to be uh, giving uh, emotional help and helping people that just are going through a rough spot. But I dare say the most important thing that we need to be giving is something that will change their life for all eternity. And what have we done? We've become stagnant ponds. God help us to realize I'm supposed to be a giver. Because when I give, I'm going to get back. When I give, God will honor and reward that. Not all the time here, but He will when we get there. So church, could it be tonight that we just need to have an invitation to where we recognize the fact that we've been takers long enough. It's now time for us to be givers.